Hello, listeners. My name is River Dillman. I'm here with my partner, Lindsay Flinders. Hey, y'all. We're here at North San Pete High School, and over the next few minutes, we're going to try and tackle the uh, very topical, very controversial issue of the gender pay gap. Okay, listeners, I'm now going to turn the time over to Lindsay, who's going to give us a brief synopsis of the history. Um, Lindsay, when do we first see the wage gap coming into play in the workforce? All right, so women have been fighting this for this wage gap for centuries, and it's still ongoing today, but you first see the problem and women start to um, fight this during the early World War I and World War II because they were expected to fill the roles of men and were paid the same for it because they were the ones left to rely on the uh, caretakers of the families, but then when the men came home, they were they weren't expected or paid as much, and so they were just left to go home. So major strikes would break out. In fact, in 1883, um, at a telegraph um, company, which is where a lot of women women worked, um, there was a very public strike, and that's when. Um, it became noticeable that they were fighting this. So once women had a place um, in the workforce, they realized it is possible, and after that, that's when the fight really started to begin. Yes, and um, in fact, then after that, it started becoming that bills were being passed, and so in New York in 1911, um, the Board of Education actually um, was the very first ever to pay men and women equally. And then all it jumps all the way another 50 years when President John F. Kennedy signed the Equal Pay Act. And this was a huge step for women. And But it, it didn't um, help in the administrative roles necessarily, so they um, weren't paid equally. And then the year after that was the um, Civil Rights Act, and it was passed by John F. Kennedy also. And this was to eliminate any discrimination in the workforce. And um, since then, there's been the printing Pregnancy Discrimination Act of 1978 and the Family Medical Leave Act of 1991. And even today, there are still being laws passed, like the Lilly Ledbetter um, Fair Act pay, which was passed by President Obama in 2009. So there are still many things being made and many actions being taken to eliminate this problem. And in the Lilly Ledbetter case, it was she was in a senior role at Goodyear Tire, and her compared to her three male counterparts performing the same job were paid significantly less on a monthly basis, right? Mm-hmm, that, yes, and she found out too late. Uh, it was passed that her contract of 180 days, so she, it made its way all the way up to the Supreme Court when, before the change was finally made. To give us some more insight on the gender pay gap topic, uh, here with us today is our very own principal at North Sampi High School, Nan Alt. The gender wage gap is a very hot topic for controversy in today's professional world. How would you say the wage gap has affected you personally and professionally? So as an educator, the wage gap has not affected me. So when you apply to a district, they hire you based on your experience and your education. And there is generally, at least for our district, uh, a salary scale. So you lanes and, and steps, and the more experience you have, the higher you're paid. Uh, if you're hired as a teacher, you have a certain salary schedule, and if you're hired as an administrator, you have a certain salary schedule, and it's not based upon your gender. Okay. 
One of the things that I strongly believe we should be striving for is equality of opportunity. Simply put, just equality for men and women to have the same amount of choice when rising through the ranks of education and and the professional ranks in whatever business they're working in. Have you? Would you say that you've experienced complete equality of opportunity? So I, I can't speak about the business world, and I'm certain that there is gender inequality there. I think it's prevalent, and it probably is documented. It certainly is the reason why you're asking me these questions. For me, though, I have focused my attention strictly in education for my entire career. I have never experienced that gender inequality in hiring. I, I think for teachers, um, if you're a woman or a man and you have that certification and, and you come in as a strong interviewer and right, you're the good candidate, they will hire you regardless of the gender. I do. Okay. So, but I have, while I have been here, when I was here earlier, experienced um, some inequality with how women are treated versus men. So I'm going to give you an example. Ready? Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I was first here, I noticed that the women teachers of our school were not um, assigned bus duty oh. with, with kids. So I asked the administrator at the time, why is it that, that I'm not carrying my load? Why aren't I out there with kids at bus duty? And he said, because you would not be able to handle a problem out there as a woman. Wow. So if there was a fight, he didn't feel like I'd be able yeah. to manage it, right? That was his, that was his reasoning. Um, he also made the comment that there would never be a female administrator here. And now you are. So, uh, not that that was my goal, but I mean, yeah. it's just interesting. I, as though, uh, as a woman in education, don't feel any different than a, than a man does. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think we all carry certain strengths. I certainly feel safe having both genders available to students during activities. I, I feel like that brings sort of... Um, a solid foundation, you know, for safety at a school. But I don't feel myself any um, less uh-huh. <laughs> of a supervisor or an administrator or a teacher than, than a man does. Thank you so much, Nan, for your input and for your time. Um, I just want to go off something that she said about being uh, treated chauvinistically. Um, I think today that women are more discriminated against just for being women, not necessarily in the workforce, because uh, women do tend to choose more fulfilling um, careers because of their uh, family. They want to raise families. They pri- that's their priority. And um, men tend to choose careers because they need to provide for a family. And that's still seen uh, as, as tradition. And although some women are breaking tradition and going out of that, it's still, on average, more women tend to raise their families. Obviously, on average, we see more women and men making choices like that to have the traditional household. But what a lot, what a lot of radical feminism movements and radical feminists would argue at this point is that women are expected to do this and not given the choice. And I personally think that's what we should be striving for is the freedom of of choice, of opportunity for these women, not to expect them to assume these roles in these 
lower paying career fields as it so happens to be. We don't pay them less because they're dominated by women. We pay them less because for some reason our society values them as uh, less providing. But that's a whole other issue we can get into. Though I think it is important to keep in mind that women do not need to be expected to assume these roles. But you can't not face the fact that on average they will. Right. And I think another important important factor of this is like equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I think that nowadays women have a lot more um, equal opportunity. Like back then that was what was taken away from it was the opportunity and the choice of the career they want to be in. But now that that is there and they do have that choice, I think if they want to pursue that, that they should have the right to and they do. So I think that um, the, the average will decrease, you know, that it's changing. Now I want to kind of refer back to something our principal Nan Alt had said about equality in the educational field uh, being basically fully achieved now and there being no more sexist discrimination. But when we compare that to a field like high-level business positions, we see a huge difference in the pay gap there as it is still illegal to have a man and a woman work the same job and be paid uh, less or more because of their gender we still see a huge a lot of advantage towards the men because of the majority of positions held by them in this certain field and this is because in these high-level business positions qualities resembling that of masculinity are usually more favorable and promote rising through the ranks of the company. Not to say that a woman or a man has to have more masculinity than the other, it is just to say that on average it is more prevalent in men and that is why we still see this field dominated by men. Well, and you see the um, the ceiling effect um, occur because women struggle rising through the ranks as fast as men. Mm-hmm. So like if her goal is to be CEO, she has to um, compete with her male counterparts, which on her end may take a lot more effort. So mm-hmm. you see that struggle as well. And there is a lot more pressure on a woman to try and do that because of the fact that it is still a somewhat rare occurrence. Well, listeners, thanks for joining us today, and I hope you gained a better understanding of the gender pay gap and how uh, gender equality is evolving and becoming less prevalent today. Uh, This is Lindsay signing out. River, do you have any last words? Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in today. If you'd like to join us next week, February 34th at 6.59 a.m., we'll give you our take on how to solve world peace. Bye. Adios. Information provided by History.com, Center for American Progress, Forbes, and Time Magazine.